Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. I am so excited for this show, you guys. This is such a fun one, and it's a topic that I never imagined I would cover on Quarantine Creatives. But here we are. Patrick Richardson is my guest today. Patrick is the star of a brand new show on Discovery Plus called The Laundry Guy. He's known as The Laundry Evangelist. He has a new book out called Laundry Love. And he is a man who has devoted his entire life to teaching people the right way to do their laundry. Which I know seems kind of crazy. Like laundry is just one of those things that you don't give a lot of thought to in your day probably, right? You just you throw the clothes in the machine, maybe throw some detergent or a laundry pot in, and it's done, right? Who gives it a lot of thought? But Patrick has a whole mission of educating people that we are doing our laundry the wrong way. It's harming our clothes. It's harming the environment. And there is a smarter way to care for our fabrics and really all of our textiles. I mean, sheets and towels and everything. He teaches you both with the show, The Laundry Guy and the book, Laundry Love, how to do your laundry the right way. And so much of what he's talking about uses old school products and old school cleaning methods with the modern technology That we have now. And that was one thing, like when I first heard about him, I said, okay, what's this going to be? And I mentioned that to Patrick in this interview. I was really worried that he was just going to be dumping, you know, quarts of bleach on all my clothes or lots and lots of detergent or, you know, fabric softener and dryer sheets. And I'm somebody that, like, I love natural stuff. And Patrick is one step beyond sort of where I am, even. Like I buy the natural sounding stuff that's free and clear and I buy it at Whole Foods and think I'm doing the right thing. And Patrick is taking me back even further. So I was so excited to meet him and to chat with him. And, you know, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that I am very into these kind of old school methods of doing things. You know, I talked to Lydia Bastianich a lot about canning and preserving and just how things were back in Italy when she was growing up. So that was so much fun talked about old houses with Aaron and Ben Napier from hometown on HGTV. And I got to say, Aaron and Ben are the two that really turned me on to the laundry guy even more. I had heard about the show, but they were both tweeting, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago about how they were watching the show and how much they loved it. I said, okay, if Aaron and Ben like it, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'll take a look and you know, I'll see what it's all about. And I watched one episode and I was hooked. So yeah, Patrick and I have a great conversation about laundry and detergent and what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And he just has a fascinating history too. You'll hear his Southern accent in there. He's a Kentucky guy, grew up in Kentucky, went to the University of Kentucky, but now he's in Minnesota and has been teaching laundry camps at the Mall of America for a long time. And now just like within the last, I guess, two months or so has really blown up. He's got the Laundry Guy series streaming on Discovery Plus right now. You can go check that out. And his new book, Laundry Love. It just hit bookstores last month. And it's funny, like on this show, I talk to a lot of authors. I talk to a lot of people that have written books. I usually have them send over just a PDF that I can look at on my Kindle and, you know, get a sense of what the book is. Most of the time they offer to send a physical copy and most of the times I refuse. I had done that with Patrick's book. I said, yeah, just just the PDF is fine. I'll look at that before the interview. And then I wrote back and said, you know what? could I actually get a physical copy because it is that good of a book? It's one of those books that like I want to have on my bookshelf with, you know, my Betty Crocker cookbook and some of like the essential things that I look at all the time. 
Patrick's book is going to be right up there now. So fascinating conversation. Go check out The Laundry Guy. Go check out Laundry Love. Here it is, my conversation with Patrick Richardson. So let's get started by just talking about this last year of COVID. What has uh, this last year of the pandemic been like for you? I hate to be the person who looks for the silver lining. You can but, be that. You know, beyond the, well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, you know, I mean, obviously it was terrible. Sure. Because it was terrible for everybody. But, you know, it's funny. It really got people into the idea of homekeeping. Sure. So I hate to say this, but I think people are more interested in what I have to say now that they've been home for a year. Yeah. You know, I think when people got stuck at home, you know, they wanted to become, I don't want to say more self-sufficient, but they wanted to kind of start taking care of their things because they were surrounded by them every day. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I remember I was interviewed several times about how to wash your dry cleaner only at home because people didn't want to go to the dry cleaner. Right. I mean, obviously, I certainly wish the pandemic wouldn't have happened beyond the obvious reasons. But, you know, it's okay. I shot a show, finished a book. <laughs> you know, I mean, what else can you ask for, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, the self-sufficiency piece, because I've definitely felt that. And, you know, I've talked with some other guests of almost like a like a little house on the prairie kind of feel to this whole time of just, you know, we're all baking bread and, you know, like you say, kind of taking care of, of the home in a way that we probably didn't for a long time and, and maybe haven't for generations in some ways. Right. I mean, we ran out of yeast and we ran out of canning jars. Right. And I remember one time I couldn't buy chicken. But... I think that it it moved us back into like looking at our house and taking care of our home. But, you know, at least for me, because everything I, I try to do, everything as green as possible. The other side of it was people used to use chlorine bleach. And when they got stuck at home and they had to smell it all day. Right. They were like, oh, maybe not. You know, maybe there's a better way. Yeah. Well, you know, that is one of the things that I was really curious about. Like when I first heard about your show and, you know, before I'd read your book or anything, my first thought was, okay, the laundry guy, like, here's a guy that's going to come in and say, okay, spray everything with shout and then, you know, let it soak. And then you're going to want to do a double load with the, you know, whatever, Tide <laughs> Extra Powerful. You know, I, I don't want to get into brand names necessarily, but just right. I was expecting it to be like, uh, you know, just super crazy chemicals. And like, that's my perception, I guess, of laundry. And what I've been really excited by, both with the show and the book, is as you say, you are very environmentally conscious. And, you know, it's almost these kind of old world or old school ways of doing things that, you know, I feel like it's, it reminds me of like the way my grandmother would have done things growing up on a farm in Michigan, as opposed to what I see in the, you know, the detergent aisle at Target. Like, where does that come from for you? Well, I grew up in the Appalachians. And it came from my grandmother, interestingly enough, you know? Okay, yeah. I mean, I lived next door to her, and I literally worshipped the ground she walked on. Uh-huh. And she treated me like a deity, so we were a good pair. <laughs> and she used these simple things, and they were, you know, they were effective. And then she started using chemicals when people started using them, but I remembered her not. You know, I just, I associate laundry with her, you yeah. know, and with my mother, and, you know, my mother still cans. You know, she still sends me jelly. <laughs> I love it. My mother, I won't. If I said how old she was, oh, my gosh, she'd murder me. But she's retired, you know, so she's not in her 40s anymore. Yeah. And she still cans, you know, like she cans fruit and vegetables and puts things in the freezer. You know, she still puts those kind of does that those traditional homemaking things. And with that, you know, I mean, I kind of learned just 
that respect for the home. Yeah. You know, I think that's the big part of it is. So, you know, I remember people using these more simple things. And then, you know, I started, I went to college, I went to the University of Kentucky, studied merchandising, apparel, and textiles, and became very interested in textiles. So then I kind of learned the chemical way that all of these things worked. And then I just, I didn't want to use chemicals anymore. You know, I, I don't really want them on me. So my rule now is if it can't go in me, it doesn't go on me. Mm, I like that. Thanks. And so then I kind of went back to like, okay, so instead of using, you know, you mentioned shout, instead of using shout, what can I use? And sometimes I have to be completely honest. Some of the things aren't, you know, all the way as back to natural as vinegar and baking soda, but they're far better than other things that are available. Like, you know, in a pinch, I always say you can use liquid hand soap. Mm. Well, liquid hand soap, you know, depending on what you buy, because I don't specify, you can only use, you know, Castile soap, right? Because, you know, somebody may use commercial liquid hand soap, but it's still a better choice. You know, even a commercial hand soap, because it's made for your hands and it's regulated so much more strictly than something is regu- that's for your laundry. So, you know, it's still a better choice. Where where do you think that comes from, though? Like, wh- why is is it a marketing drive? Like, why why are we constantly being sold things <laughs> that are worse? For, I mean, you talk about like laundry pods. And I think it was in your book. And you're saying they're like concentrated enough to do four to five loads of laundry, which really surprised me. And I'm just like, right. why, why are these even available? And then, you know, never mind the idea of kids and stuff eating them and, you know, things like that. Well, I mean, it, it's funny. I will tell you something and then I'll go back to this. Sure. I've now seen that the biggest laundry brands in the world is, has introduced a new cleaner for whites because their traditional detergent makes your club, makes your whites crunchy. Well, it makes your whites crunchy because it leaves residue in your whites. So their new product, it's more dilute, which I think is hysterical. So their solution was rather than saying use less, it was like, we're just going to create a new product. <laughs> we'll sell you some with more water in it, basically. Right. But, you know, I am hard on the pods because I hate them. Yeah. But I understand where the idea came from. The idea came from a busy mom who let's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like detail her, but she might be a single mom with two kids who play soccer. Let's just say that. Yeah. So she works all day. She needs to do her laundry easily. And she's always been told that she has to do 55 different things. Well, she needs to wash her work clothes and the kids soccer clothes. And, you know, soccer clothes are disgusting because they're <laughs> muddy and there's, I mean, beyond the fact that they're muddy and grass stains and whatever, they're also sweaty and stinky. I mean, you know, yuck. Sure. Well, she doesn't really know, like nobody told her, you know, there's an easy way to clean these things. So the one thing she can do is toss them in the wash and throw in a pod. Yeah. Well, and that pod will probably, it won't totally work, but it'll satisfy her Yeah. because nobody told her a better way. Well, the reality is all she had to do was use something really gentle and throw in some oxygen bleach. But if nobody tells you that, you don't know. Right. So the companies are just trying to make a product that's as all-purpose as possible. And, you know, if you've watched the show or you read the book, you know that I'm not a one-size-fits-all kind of guy. Right. I mean, you know, not everybody needs an orbital buffer to do their laundry. Yeah. I kind of tailor those things. I don't think it really adds to the time because I think you gain the time back in the fact that I only use the express cycle, that I don't believe you should stoke anything. Right. You know, we kind of get that time that way. But, you know, I mean, the big companies just trying to market a solution 
and they don't really, I mean, I don't want to say they don't care, but you know, they don't care. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they need it to be, as you say, one size fits all that like they don't want to get the customer complaints and especially I'm sure, you know, in the era of online reviews and stuff that this didn't get this one specific thing clean for me. So they kind of need a formula that's going to work, as you say, well enough on 20 different things instead of, you know, really good on one thing, but just okay on the other 19, right? Right. I understand that. Like in theory, I completely understand that. Sure. I get it that you just kind of want to make a one size fits all because, you know, you're going to spend a hundred million dollars advertising it. So you need it to kind of be universal. Well, I think that, you know, it can be, you can start with this, add this, and if you don't make it too complicated, I think people still understand it. You know, our grandmothers understood that they bought, you know, laundry powder and bluing and, you know, bleach and a couple of stain removers. And they also had vinegar at home. Right. But I think we just kind of in our minds, one is better than a few. It's just like we also think more is better. Like, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I just put in more detergent. <laughs> I just throw in more. And I'm like, that is the worst thing you can do. But in our mind, if, you know, a fourth a cup is good, a half a cup is great. Right. I mean, we see it with shampoo, right? (laughs) Lather, rinse, repeat. Like, okay. Exactly. If I'm not clean, I'll keep going. Yeah. Right. I want to ask you, too, on some of the natural soaps, though. Like, as I'm reading the book and I'm, I'm, you know, saying, okay, laundry flakes, that sounds good. And, you know, all these different products, bluing. Like, when I try to find them, they don't seem to be as readily available I, I you can order them online and, and you know sometimes different health food stores and stuff but like and, and some of these bottles look like they haven't changed in a hundred years either like it's the right. same company making this thing like why are they so difficult to find these solutions because people don't know how to use them i mean mm. it, i can't tell you bluing i can promise you you can find bluing yeah it's in your grocery store you just don't know where it is because okay. it's probably either at the very top all the way to the right or the very bottom all the way to the left you know yeah. But it is there. Grocery stores carry it. It's readily available. Flakes, you know, you're right. They aren't. They used to be. Yeah. Because Ivory Snow existed until 1980. And you could buy it in the grocery store. I did just see soap flakes in a grocery store the other day. So I think people are starting to go back that way. You know, I was thrilled to see them in the store, even though, you know, it's funny. I make my own. So these people were competitor. (laughs) But I was still thrilled because I want people to use soap flakes wherever they have to get them. Yeah. I want to ask you, too, just about, like, you talked a little bit about, you know, the the need for simplicity, I guess. And, you know, I, I think about modern washing machines. I think you compared them to, like, a, the, the flight deck of an airplane or something that just mm-hmm. – there are all these different settings. And you go into the book of, like, why the delicate setting probably isn't the best one, permanent press, sort of all, all these different terms. And as as you mentioned earlier, like, express is sort of your way to go. Like, why do we feel the need? I guess kind of the counterpoint to the Tide Pods or whatever is like, shouldn't it just be an on-off switch if, if 90% of laundry is going to be done the same way? Like, why do we need 40 different options for how we wash our clothes? Well, if I could make a washing machine, it would literally be an on-off switch. <laughs> yeah. And then 20 minutes later, you come back and yeah. Right. You, you know, and actually now in Europe, they have washers that are also dryers. Uh-huh. So, you know, I I would put the towels in and let it go all the way through. And then, you know, my shirts I would wash and hang up. But our grandmothers, that's one thing they didn't have that we do is technology. You know, our grandmothers needed a permanent press setting, a delicate setting. They needed those things because washing machines were made very differently and they were very aggressive. So you needed those different settings. Washing machines now 
are just the technology is so superior. We don't need them anymore, but they've kind of always been there. Yeah, it's it's that feature that like if you're in if you're in the store trying to buy one, you say, well, wait, I need I need this setting, and you know, especially now if there's not a salesperson right there to say no, you don't. And that's the perfect example. The example I use in Laundry Camp is the phone. You know, my granny when she first got her when she got her first house when she married my granddad, yeah, they had a phone. Phones weren't even that common in Eastern Kentucky at that time, and they had a party line phone. Sure. When I was a child. My mom says we still had a party line phone. I don't totally remember it, but yeah. she says we did. And then we got a private line phone probably when I was in like, you know, first grade or something. So then the phone didn't really change much more until we got a cordless phone. And that was crazy because, you know, then like we didn't have that cord on the kitchen phone that, you know, stretched into the closet. Yeah. You could go in your room and make private calls. Yeah, exactly. And then things didn't really change that much until I went to college and I went one day to pay the phone bill. And they're like, we have a phone that connects to nothing. Hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? That doesn't make any sense connects to nothing. And it's, you know, it's cellular. And so then there was a cellular phone and then I got a flip phone and then I got a smartphone. I'm talking to you on now on a phone that's far more sophisticated than than the computers I used 10 years ago. (laughs) Right. But here's the one thing about that. I've always gone to, you know, AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile, wherever I got the phone and they have shown me everything I needed. Yeah. Well, the same technology is there in the washing machine. It's just that you're on your own. Right. When you go in to buy a washing machine, nobody shows you how to use it. Right. I mean, they probably don't know. They're not. They're not often trained. Even you know, depending on where you're buying it. Certainly, yeah. Right. So you're like, well, and I, delicates. I might need a delicate setting. I better get one. Yeah. Or oh, sanitary. I need a sanitary setting, which of course you don't. Right. But you know, that's that's why those things are there. I mean, we don't need them. It's technology has gotten us to where they're not necessary. But you know, I think that's why they're on there. We just think they are important. And, you know, we buy what we know. I mean, it's funny if we use the phone the same way. I mean, I might be on, you know, a mobile phone talking to you and it would still have a rotary dial just because that's what I thought a phone was supposed to have. Right. How do I dial if there's not a, a knob to twist? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, too, just about like the way that we have done clothes is different. As you say, you know, we needed the permanent press setting and things, you know, back in the day. I wonder too, like how, if, if how we dress changes the way we do laundry, like, especially this last year, like so many people are just sitting at home in sweatpants most of the time, right? Sure. And they're zoom shirts. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we, we probably change the way we do laundry because we have technology, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, everybody, you said sweatpants. The reality is that category is now called athleisure. Yep. And if I think of sweatpants, I think of when I was a kid and they were cotton and they had a drawstring waist, elastic at the ankle. Yeah, sure. You know, in gray, maybe navy. And if they came from Santa, they had a stripe down the side, <laughs> you know, because they were the coolest ones. But, you know, now that's te- that is pure technology. Yeah. They're polyester and spandex. You know, and polyester is incredible. It's an amazing fabric, but it has a completely different set of characteristics to laundry. So, yeah, our laundry changes based on our wardrobe needs. You know, if you think of the 80s and 90s when everything returned to natural after all synthetic in the 70s, you know, we completely changed the way we did our laundry then. And it's funny because now we're going back to synthetic. Yeah. You know, it's just cyclical. 
I'm curious too, you know, especially with your background in, you know, in fashion design and, and textiles and things like that, you know, this fast fashion movement, or, you know, the idea that like you almost don't need to wash your clothes anymore because they're almost designed to be disposable. Just like, what are your thoughts on sort of that trend? Well, you know, the eco part of me <laughs> and the rest of me is like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, I buy clothes that I like. I like to own my clothes and I, I enjoy wearing my clothes very much. I love clothes. I've always loved clothes. You know, I can't imagine that I buy something that I just really don't care how I look. Yeah. Even with fast fashion, you know, it might be a black, you know, retro run DMC t-shirt, or it might be like some sort of hot pink or fluorescent pink sweater but you buy it because you think it makes you look good and you feel good when you look good. Right. Sure. So why not take care of that? Because if you buy that fluorescent pink sweater, that is like a throwback to the eighties and you think, yeah, I look good when I put this on, why not take care of it? I don't understand just because it's inexpensive that it's disposable. Yeah. I use this example. I've used it before, but I think it's a really good one. I have a cardigan sweater that I will never tell what it costs. No one knows. My partner, no one knows what it costs. And I will go to my grave with that secret. I mean, it would be easier to find out the real story of Marilyn Monroe than it would be to find (laughs) out what this cardigan cost. But I also have like a t-shirt that I got at the state fair. Yeah. Well, I love them both and I want them both to last. So I take care of them in the same way because I want them to look as good as they can as long as they can. Now, the difference is the State Fair t-shirt isn't of the quality as the cardigan. I mean, it's true. But if I can make it last twice as long, it's still twice as long as what it would have lasted. So if it's your fast fashion piece, why not make it last as long as you can? Yeah, it's true. And they have become so disposable, which is kind of a shame. Mm -hmm. You know, people just don't take care of it. Well, I, I want to shift and talk about The Laundry Guy, too, because it's yeah. it's such a fun show. And, you know, it, 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 coming off the, the cardigan discussion, too, it feels like, you know, one of the things that really draws me to it is just the, the emotion behind it and the stories that people have, the, these very emotional attachments to articles of clothing or other textiles. You must have been aware of that prior to going into the show, right? Like that's been kind of your whole thing for a long time, right, is how, how we feel about our clothes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have taught laundry camp for eons and I will get people who come in with some very special item, you know, and they're terrified and, but you know, it's so important to them. So it's really funny because it's so important to them yet they don't know what to do. So they're just paralyzed in fear. I kind of knew that going into the show, but I gotta be honest, those, you know, those people and those stories are totally the star of the show. Like when you hear about, the letterman jacket or the wedding dress or the baby blanket or the snoopy whatever you know it's like you root for them i mean it's really funny because if i weren't on the show i would be like oh come on get that snoopy clean he really needs that snoopy to be clean right you know because that's that's what you want i mean you know i like to think i'm fun to watch but the reality is you want to see that snoopy clean you know or you want to see that dress that was through the fire you know, white again, you want her, you want to see her get to see that. And I mean, me too. That's totally what I wanted to do. I wanted to see those people get their item back. 
how many of those segments did you go into nervous or terrified that they, that that result might not happen? Nervous and terrified, two different answers. Terrified, <laughs> several. Okay. Nervous, any that I wasn't terrified by. Okay. Because the thing is, you know, I'm very confident in the washing skill, right? Sure. So if you said, oh, I have this white dress and it has green ribbon, it has stains on it, I'd be like, oh, okay, got this. The second that you say, my mom made this, she died when I was six, yeah. it becomes a whole different item. Right. You know, at that point, I mean, you're not washing a flag, you're washing the Star Spangled Banner. Right. And you're terrified. <laughs> the one thing I was confident in is, and you see it in the, there's an episode where color starts to run. I was confident that I could undo anything. You know, that's what I always tell everybody. I'm like, don't worry. If something goes wrong, I mean, if you use things that are natural, if something goes wrong, we can undo it. Yeah. And so because I was only using things that were natural, I mean, I knew that I could undo anything that happened. Right. But I was a nervous wreck because, <laughs> you know, these things are precious. Sure. And, you know, they matter. I mean, they're not, you know, it's not a white dress. It's your mom's wedding dress. It's not some stuffed animal that you picked up at Toys R Us. It's the stupid that your grandparents bought you that you traveled with from Taiwan to Canada, Southern California, Northern California to New York. Yeah. You know, it's a very important little thing. And it's a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, totally. That. And I wonder, like, if you have any sense, you know, sort of how the guests were prepared, because, you know, you're not you've been doing the laundry camps and stuff. But in terms of a TV audience, like you're not really a known entity yet versus, you know, if it had been, I don't know, the Property Brothers or Chip and Joanna or something coming in, people sort of have a sense of, you know, their track record and say, OK, like, I know what I'm getting here. But this is a brand new show. <laughs> like how, you know, people had to put a lot of faith in you and, and your expertise. Right. And they totally did. And that's probably the scariest part, <laughs> you know, right. I'm so thankful, so thankful that I actually did the cleaning because I didn't get to hear the people be interviewed. Mm, right. I didn't get to hear them say, well, we hope, you know, I hope he can do something. I mean, it's funny. There's a, the dress actually with the woman who died, her mom died when she was six, you know, she's like, well, if anything he can do to get it better is enough. Yeah. I could tell basically she's like, he's not going to be able to do anything. Right. And then you have other people who are like, I'm confident that he is going to get this as spotless as, you know, and I'm like, so I'm glad that I didn't know, you know, because <laughs> I was going to do the best I could do. And right. that's kind of all, but you know, I'm glad I didn't hear them. Because, you know, I don't know which would have scared me more. If it would have scared me more that someone's like, well, I don't know if he can do anything. And then I would want to prove them wrong. Or if it would scare me more to be like, you know what? I know that when he hands it back to me, it's going to be just like the day that, you know, I got it when I was in 10th grade. Right. I don't know which would have terrified me more. <laughs> I wonder too, like I know, you know, I was a producer for a long time, worked on Ask This Old House, the, the PBS show. And oh, like, oh, thank you. Well, like I, I know the pressure, I guess, of, of what happens on the other side of the camera. And, you know, as a producer, I have to put all my faith in the expert on camera. And, you know, they're often the ones doing the work as well, just like you. But mm -hmm. there is that moment where, you know, a lot of different realities are coming into play as well and saying, okay, you know, there might be a rainstorm moving in later today, or the sun's going to start to set or, you know, whatever it is, we have, we're going to hit overtime soon, just sort of all these external things that 
you as the expert really have no control over but are sort of subject to and you know i feel like that's another layer of pressure perhaps <laughs> just you know sure. producer, and, and again a production team that doesn't have any experience with you either i assume right right you know we i was super lucky that the production team who, who did the show was like i mean next level yeah. they were amazing i mean those camera guys like for example catching that run, that run on the stain i mean that was like as real as it could be and he yeah. caught it it was I'm so thankful because I would have never recreated it. Right. But by the same token, I was glad that it was seen so that people know that stuff happens. But you're right. I mean, you are shooting a show and there is a deadline. And so you're like, okay. And it was great because after a couple of episodes, we kind of figured out that I would just say, okay, you want to know production time, how long this is going to take, not yeah. real time. Right. You know, knowing that we're going to have to reshoot it or knowing that they need to see it from two different angles. And so we had the ability to, you know, reshoot something if we needed to or whatever and still get through it. Only one time did we rush at the end yeah. and it was nervous. I was a nervous wreck, but it did happen. It was fine. Yeah. Um, backing up to sort of the origins of all this, like where did the show come from? How did you how did you get picked to have a show on Discovery Plus? Good luck. Uh, a producer who worked at Committee Films, who produced the show actually came to laundry camp. Oh, cool. And she met me and she said, you know, this could be a show. And she reached out to me and that, and we started there. It took a couple of years, but it was worth doing. Um, what's the reception been so far? Have you been hearing good things? People love it all the time. People are on my Instagram. They're on my Twitter. They love it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I, I wanted to ask too, just it's, it's hard to tell these days what was made pre COVID and what was made, you know, during the pandemic, what was your production season like? <laughs> we filmed this January of this year, filmed, of 2021. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was right in the middle of COVID. The pilot was shot last summer. Uh -huh. So when you see the segments when we're outside, that was last summer. The rest of it was shot in January. Wow. They um, turned it really fast. Yeah. It was amazing. And we shot during COVID. So, you know, we followed the protocols and everybody was safe. Everything, everything was just fine. I mean, but it was, you know, we did, you know, have the protocols in place. So we had a smaller crew than normal and, you know, but we did it. It was it was just fun. Of course, I had never done a show before, so I didn't know that it would work any other way. Right. But I hear it can. Yeah. It, it, hopefully, you know, this summer or something, things will be uh, things will be much different. But you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it was January in the Twin Cities area, right? Which is like that's just a whole nother right. level of challenge. I feel. Yeah. There was one day where I remember going to work, and I, I don't remember if it was seventeen or nineteen below zero that Ooh. morning. <laughs> That's that's something to get used to. That's wild. Yeah, it was well, cold. I want to ask you too, just you know, in watching the show, in reading your book, and obviously, like you know, seeing the, all this work you've done with laundry camps and stuff prior. Like, I feel like one of the things that that's really unique about you is you have this really great scientific understanding of what's going on with each individual fabric, how the different soaps are going to react to it. You know, you talk about, you know, hydrophobic fabrics and uh, <laughs> things that work with oils. Yeah. I mean, they're just these terms that I'm learning just from watching nice. and reading you, but like, but you also have to figure out like how to distill it for an average person. And I think you do that really well. But I'm curious, like those are two very different levels, I guess, of having a scientific understanding of what's going on, like at a molecular level, and then being able to teach somebody 
who, you know, their only goal is to get that Letterman jacket clean and, you know, ready to wear again. Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky in that regard because, you know, so much of the the earliest knowledge I have is from my granny, which is those really simple things. And then, you know, I do have that sort of scientific side and, you know, oleophilic, hydrophobic, etc. So I'm lucky, you know, that I have both of those. But at the end of the day, I don't care if somebody thinks, oh, yeah, this guy's really smart. All I want is for somebody to be able to clean their thing. You know, I want them to clean their stuffed animal, their wedding dress, you know, whatever, or trust me to do it. Yeah. And if you talk over them, you know, if you talk in these scientific terms, they just tune out, you know, and I want them to tune in. Yeah. And it has to be just enough that they know that you know what you're talking about, but not so much that you alienate them. Right. And it's it's really funny. I did a Facebook Live, Instagram Live with HGTV and Discovery Plus the day the show launched. Uh-huh. And they said, well, you know, we can ask for the questions in advance and then you can answer them. And I'm like, no, I want them live because I want people to know that they can ask me a question and I haven't done the research to get the answer, that I'm not just, you know, a pretty face. Yeah. <laughs> I really do know... Because I'm like, you know, if you were going to hire a pretty face, you could do a lot better. <laughs> but I want you to know that I know what I'm talking about. Like right. that I'm confident that if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know and I'll go look. Yeah. You know, I want them to understand that I really do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, you know, you're right. You do have to say hydrophobic and oleophilic. But then you have to say, hates water, loves oil. Right. So yeah. you get both sides of that. Make sure it makes sense. Well, I want to end with some personal questions, if I can. Personal oh, to me, because I'm just like, <laughs> I want to pick your brain yeah. while I've got you here. So absolutely, I, I started as a hobby this year doing maple sugaring in my backyard, which has been awesome. It's the <laughs> coolest thing. Mm-hmm. But I have this, like, it's, it's a Carhartt jacket. And it's got like the water repellent, you know, surface on it. So it's like plastic, like a layer of plastic on top of plastic, basically. Yeah. And right. I, I was I was sitting outside, you know, I, you have to boil the the maple syrup like over a uh, over a wood fire for many many hours, and I, I did that maybe six or seven times this past year. So by the end, like I smell like I've just been inside of a wood stove for you know, like you walk in anywhere, and even with masks right now, like people are still kind of giving me looks like, oh, what is that smell? I've tried mm-hmm. just washing it with, you know, normal, we have like seventh gen, you know, high efficiency uh, detergent and I have a front load washing machine. I've washed it maybe two or three times now and nothing's worked. Like what should I be doing mm-hmm. to get that smoke smell out? Well, to be honest, chances are soap will actually just take it out Okay. because soap works different than detergent. Uh-huh. That's why I love soap. Like the soap flakes you're talking about. The soap, like soap flakes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. If it is, I'm also guessing that, you know, wood when it burns, it releases oil, uh-huh. and that's why smoke is kind of oily. Like when you feel soot, it feels sure. oily. Yeah, I think it's very possible that there's some of that oil in there. That would be oxygen bleach. Okay, and that's going to be totally safe for your waterproof finish. What is not safe for your waterproof finish, by the way, is the dryer. So please don't ever, ever, Ooh. ever put it in the dryer. Okay, I've done that because, <laughs> a couple times. Okay, already. yeah, don't because it. It will break down the water repellency. Interesting. Yeah, the soap is fine. The oxygen bleach is fine. But yeah, the heat will actually break down the water repellency of the jacket. Okay. So you want to try to avoid that if you can. But what the oxygen bleach will do is it'll dissolve that oil so the soap can wash it away. Gotcha. Um, I want to ask, too, about washing machines. I I just bought one maybe a year ago, um, and Mm -hmm. it's a front loader. I had a front loader prior, and like 
I'm a fan of those. And I used to deal with this at this old house too, where you're trying to, you know, guide people <laughs> towards front loaders, top mm-hmm. loaders, or top load high efficiency. Like, wh- I guess, what do you have in your house? And what do you tell people <laughs> is the best uh, washing machine to buy? Okay, so obviously high efficiency. Yeah. I mean, I would not, I wouldn't buy anything that wasn't a high efficiency. I prefer a front loader for a very funny reason. Okay. I'm not super tall. Hmm. So a top loader, I have a hard time reaching all the way to the bottom. Yeah. You have to kind of climb up on top of it to get into it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's why I prefer a front loader. Do you have it up on a, on a pedestal? The front loader? I don't. I actually have them stacked. Oh, interesting. Washer on the bottom? Yeah. Washer on the bottom, dryer on the top. So I don't have the pedestal, but if I, when I had a top loader, which is what we had before this one, you know, I had to kind of like stand on my tiptoes to reach in there. And, you know, as far as the efficiency, they've gotten so good. If you'd ask me in 1990 or even in 2000, I would have said front loader, no question. But the top loaders have gotten so good that now, you know, it's kind of a preference thing. Mm. I mean, I know people who prefer top loader because they don't like to bend over. Yeah which is also, you know, completely valid, or they want to put it on the pedestal so they can have the little drawer. So, you know, whichever works. All right, there we go. Patrick Richardson. I've got to get some of those soap flakes and try that on my coat now. (laughs) I'll report back on what happens and if I can get the smoke smell out. But these laundry flakes, they sound like they're handy for just about everything. So Patrick is showing me the light, a simpler way, a gentler way. Better for me, better for my skin, my family's skin, the environment, everything. It's good stuff. Check out The Laundry Guy. It's streaming now on Discovery+. Plus, and uh, it airs on HGTV sometimes, too. They've been putting some Discovery Plus shows over on the network. So if you're a cable subscriber and you happen to see Patrick, stop what you're doing. Watch The Laundry Guy. It's such a fun show. And Laundry Love, seriously, go out and buy the book. You're going to want it on your shelf. You're going to want to refer back to it. At least I am, and I've learned a ton already from it. New episodes of Quarantine Creatives come out every Thursday. Make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app to get new episodes first right in your feed. And I also have newsletters that come out every Sunday. Go to heathrasala.com, enter your email address there, and you'll get the newsletter to learn more about the show. I'm at Heath Rosella on Twitter and Instagram. I will talk to you guys soon. Stay safe.